Welcome to Mind Your Mind. Mind Your Mind podcast is for busy people like you who want to enjoy life and free up their time and emotional space by learning valuable tools for self-care and mindfulness. Our weekly topics are filled with compelling discussions and practical solutions to increase your productivity and healthy living. I'm your host, Joseph Tropper, and I'm honored to have you here with me today. Hello and welcome, everyone. This is Mind Your Mind, episode 67, Five Challenges in Addressing Childhood Depression. I get a lot of questions from you readers and I, listeners, I should say, and I really appreciate that. And I look forward to hearing from you guys. And a lot of you are parents. And uh, so I want to start focusing on some parenting stuff for the next couple of ones. Um, for those of you that it's not relevant to, um, that's cool. But, you know, a lot of us know ch- children, whether we are aunts, uncles, uh, parents, grandparents, um, or just friends of people with children. Um, I think that b- having conversations about healthy childhood could be very helpful. And finally, I think that in our own lives, just looking at making sense out of our own upbringing, our own experiences, our own uh, childhood challenges, uh, sometimes is very, very helpful as well. Um, so I want to talk about childhood depression. Now, um, the CDS, the Center for Disease, CDC, the Center for Disease Control, has um, a entire webpage and actually multiple pages dedicated to children's mental health. And not surprisingly, depression is one of the lowest uh, rated, lowest diagnosed things in children. And we'll talk about five reasons why that is. Um, it very well could be that children are more happy because they exercise more and they have a lot more going on. But it also very well could be that it's just not diagnosed. Now, for example, about 10% of all kids are diagnosed between age 2 to 17 are diagnosed with ADHD. Now, as a clinician and, and as a parent, you might disagree and think oh, it's really a lot higher. And the truth is that it, it is estimated to be a little bit higher. But from the uh, from the uh, CDC's very, very strict definition of what ADHD is and diagnosis uh, requirements, that's the number they came out with. About 7.5% of kids have behavioral problems that are diagnosable. Again, um, not surprising. Many of us probably think it's higher. And about 7% of all kids have anxiety. Once again, considering that 22 to 25% of the adult population have it, it makes sense that a lot of it starts even at younger age. And then uh, childhood depression is put at 3.2%. So for children between age 3 to 17 years. The thing is that those that have it often, uh, like most mental challenges, um, if a person does not get the right support, then often, unfortunately, that... Um, issue will become pervasive and will um, carry out throughout lifetime. Now, out of those 3.2%, by the way, that were estimated, about 75% of them actually got help. So it's very, very hopeful, but I want to really talk about it. Um, more than that, um, depression and anxiety are first cousins. They always travel in packs. Um, I'll explain why. I've said many times why that is, but it's pretty simple. Basically, the wiring that makes us um, depressed and sad so once we're feeling depressed and sad, our body thinks that we're sick and that we're impaired, and so it becomes more hyper-aroused in order to be able to protect itself. So hence, anxiety comes on. And so too with the opposite. When a person is feeling really anxious, um, then their body uh, and their brain and their emotions feel like they're stuck. Their anxiety is taking them over, and that becomes depressive because depression is inactivity and feelings of being stuck. And so hence, depression and anxiety are first cousins that travel in packs, and they often come with one another. Um, the good news is that um, treating one often treats the other, and I don't even necessarily mean medically, although that's also true, but emotionally, um, the mental uh, process that help one will help the other. But one thing that I always say as a clinician 
which is very important, I talk to, to my supervisees about this as well, is that we should really try to figure out what the cause is, meaning is the depression the dominant thing and then the anxiety is secondary to it, or is the anxiety the dominant thing and the depression is secondary? It does make a, a difference in treatment because uh, we do want to treat the primary. So let's talk about some of the reasons that um, that childhood depression is unfortunately not diagnosed and not seen right away. Um, which could lead to a lot more problems later. But first, let me just define what childhood um, depression is. So when we think of depression uh, in adults, we think of sadness, withdrawal, quiet, uh, inability to get out of bed or inability to perform functions or or some type of impairment in daily functioning. Uh, we talk about uh, suicidality, which is very, very uncommon in children. And obviously, anyone that's uh, talking about suicide should receive immediate attention. If there's a threat, uh, um, you know, they should be hospitalized um, and given the proper care. But if it's something that they're just, it's on their mind and they're talking about it, they should be given someone to talk about, someone to talk to, uh, a professional who is licensed and experienced in, in, in this matter. Um, but it's very uncommon for children to threaten. Um, I do have kids that come to my office all the time that have used those words, but usually it's because they've seen it on the movies um, or because there's something that prompted them to feel that way. Uh, for example, uh, if a kid, and I've seen this many, many times, I can't even tell you how many kids I've seen where they were bullied at school. Someone told them, hey, your whole family died. So a normal child who's five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, their reaction is, oh, then I want to die because a child can't fathom being without their parent. So when a child is threatening suicide, you must take it serious, but generally what I've found, most cases, um, it's something that they just saw somewhere. They don't necessarily even understand what they mean. But anyway, so in children, what's interesting is that some of the symptoms are also like adults. The sadness, the withdrawal from friendships, the inability to get out of bed because of sadness. Also, um, the excessive worrying, which could border on on anxiety as well, which we'll, have, we'll talk about that later in childhood anxiety segments. Um, but another, and, 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 and as I said, oftentimes suicidality is not so relevant for children, especially young children under age 10. Um, but of course, anytime any child expresses that or any person does, it needs to be taken seriously. But what's interesting about children is that sometimes depression manifests as acting out and behavioral issues and academic issues. And this is where I think a lot of people also get thrown off, that sometimes children act out when they're in pain from depression. So let's talk about five reasons why five issues in addressing childhood depression and being aware of these issues is really um, half of the fix. So issue number one is that parents don't listen to kids. This is a known issue and an old issue, but it's an issue that really gets in the way of helping them because if you're not present for your child, then you're not going to pick up on their issues and on what's going on. And so we need to really learn how to listen, how to lean in respectfully. Of course, if they're little, if they're little kids, they might appreciate the attention. As they get older, they might resent it. So we have to do it gently, but really we have to listen to what's going on in our kids' lives. That's the first intervention for helping them with any mental health and any emotional issue they're going through. Number two is that parents love to fix things in kids. And it's true. As parents, we want our kids to be fixed. And we want them to be okay. And we want to make things better. And there's nothing more painful than watching our children suffer through painful and, and emotionally challenging things. And so oftentimes we end up, um, we end up telling our children just quick fixes that are not really um, very, very good solutions. Um, for example, well, you're depressed because you have no friends, so go play and you'll be fine. Or you're depressed because you're hungry, so go eat something and you'll be fine. And that's not necessarily true. Number three, which is very similar to this nuance, is that we often just tell kids that, oh, your, your emotions just pass. They come and go. Now, on the one hand, it's very healthy to teach kids that emotions do come and sometimes they hit like a storm and just ride it and you'll pass through it. But sometimes they don't. 
um, and that is part of the problem. And when a when something is persistent and something is constantly there and the child is constantly withdrawn or constantly sad, then we do need to start dealing with it. And we shouldn't be in denial that maybe the child does have depression and there's plenty of interventions for dealing with children that have um, depression. Number four is children don't really understand. A lot of times, especially young kids under age 10, again, um, you know, we're talking about childhood depression, we're talking about age you know, 2 to 17, kids don't understand their emotions, their young they're they're just starting out in life so I, i've had children that describe their depression as a headache or a stomach ache or a weird feeling or bad thoughts um they don't fully understand what emotions even are emotions are a little scary they're they come they we feel them very strong kids express ex- experience emotions by tantruming um, emotions gush out and uh, sometimes the child is not even aware of the power of his his or her emotion and so this drawback that children don't understand their emotion again ties back to the first thing of parents learning how to listen and it also ties back to just helping a child be able to understand what they're actually going through and finally challenge number five is that oftentimes parents don't follow up so even if a child did make it through all those different stages and actually got to communicate with you and then you kind of just you know brush it under the rug or ignore it and then you don't follow up with a child. How many kids have come to my office and said, I'm so happy you asked me this. No one actually ever cared to ask me that. Or, you know, I told my mother I wasn't feeling so good three months ago and now we're finally here. Um, so we really have to, as parents, we have to learn how to follow up with our children. So bottom line is that there are, there is a prevalence um, of childhood depression and usually the symptoms are sadness, withdrawal, and sometimes acting out behavioral and academic issues. And the five solutions that we need to add and not um, increase the problem are we need as parents number one learn how to listen to your children that's the first thing number two stop trying to fix everything number three it's true that things will pass but if something doesn't pass you really do need to seek help and this applies to adults too by the way uh, number four is that children often have a very limited vocabulary when it comes to emotions sometimes because their parents do too and they're not being taught or sometimes it's because they just need more life experience so we need to listen out for what the kids are describing so we can better understand it and number five, we need to follow up with our kids to find out how they're feeling and if they're still feeling a certain way or if things are getting better for them. Um, and, of course, uh, at that stage, we should be working with a mental health professional as well for help. I hope this is enlightening for you. And um, if I can be of any help, feel free to reach out. We certainly see a lot of cases of children with depression. There's all types of things that cause it, sometimes biological, sometimes psychological, emotional, social, family history, family situation, events, etc. But we are here to help anyone um, that we can in their transitions of life. I encourage you to keep minding your mind, and I wish you a successful and healthy and happy day. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget to mind your mind. For more practical ideas and to make sure you never miss an episode, visit us at mindyourmindonline.com.